Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. NASA is planning a flyby of the moon next year. And one of the astronauts on that crew, I'm sure you've heard, is a Canadian, Jeremy Hansen. The launch next year, Artemis, Artemis II, will see a few firsts. It'll be the trial launch for NASA's Orion spacecraft and the first mission to take humans beyond low Earth orbit since, I believe, Apollo 17 in 1972. I might be wrong, but we'll, we'll find out. The Artemis II launch will make sure everything works up there and then set the stage for putting humans once again on the surface of the moon. It's exciting stuff. And to give us some insight into why this is such a big deal, Gordon Osinski is the Earth Sciences Professor at the University of Western Ontario and the director of the Canadian Lunar Research Network. Gordon, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, now as the director of the Canadian Lunar Research Network, this is kind of a dumb question, but how excited are you about this launch? Oh, I'm yeah, incredibly excited. I was about to say over the moon, which would be a bad pun, right? But, uh, <laughs> oh, you can it's, do it. It's def- yeah, I just did. Um, no, it's I think one of the most exciting days uh, for the Canadian space program in, in decades. And I think you know when we look back, uh, following the, su- the successful launch, it will be a successful launch, right? In a couple of years, uh, we'll look back, and I think it will rank up there amongst the moments you know Canada's first astronaut in, in space, and maybe launch of the Canada arm and things. Yeah, and so this is the first ca- Canadian uh, in the like below beyond Earth orbit, right? And so, I mean, the really neat thing here, and you were talking about some records that will be broken on this mission, is that this mission here will make Canada only the second country on Earth after the U.S. to send astronauts into what we call deep space, um, because we have the Apollo astronauts, and then you know, since then for the past fifty years. Yes, we've had a lot of astronauts in space from many different countries, but they've been restricted to the International Space Station and low Earth orbit with the shuttle flights. And, you know, that's a mere 400 kilometers away from the surface of the Earth. And here, you know, this is going to make Canada the second country after the U.S. So it's a really big coup, I think, for Canada. Yeah, pretty cool. So give us a sort of overview of this mission and the missions that are going to follow it. Because this one is just is doing a, they're going to fly around the moon, right? Absolutely, yes. So this is the second mission in the Artemis program. So the, the whole program is called Artemis, and you know the goal is to get humans back on the surface of the moon and then eventually onto Mars. Uh, some of your listeners might remember uh, middle of November of last year, we had the first ever launch of Artemis, and that really tested out NASA's big new rocket for the first time. And it did launch the Orion uh, capsule, which is where the humans go, but of course there were no people in it. So that was the test. Uh, and then we're going to take a pretty big jump for Artemis II, which is to put people on board. And uh, we're going to spend about two days kind of circling Earth in this really high orbit, uh, which will already make the astronauts just on that first couple of days uh, the people who have gone further since 1972. And then if all looks good, you know, they'll fire the thrusters on the Orion uh, capsule and send them on a flyby of the moon, as you say. So it's kind of like they did with Apollo and Apollo 8 mission. Um, Apollo 8 went into orbit. Uh, Artemis 2 is going to do a flyby. But as you mentioned, it's going to go further past the moon 
And so when they hit that far point on the other side of the moon, that will be the furthest that any humans have gone before ever, period. Right. And then, yeah, so, you know, just this test flight, as it were, Artemis II is going to break uh, a number of records. And as you said earlier, if all goes well on Artemis II, about a year later, we should have Artemis III uh, going back to the surface. Wow. And and the the fact, I think it was 1972, the last time men were on the moon? Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, Apollo 17, 1972. And as you mentioned, men, right? And, uh, you know, the reason why this is exciting, too, is that we have the first woman and first person of color on Artemis II, and that will be the same for Artemis III going to the surface as well. Uh, you know, NASA stated that there'll be a woman going to the surface of the moon in that mission, which is, is really exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, when I think about 1972, because <laughs> we were talking earlier about the first cell phone call, which was 1973, and the cell phone was, you know, like huge. It was like a brick. I can't imagine the technology advancement in computers and all the things that are needed to get astronauts to the moon. Um, it must be incredible the, the amount of computing power that you have now compared to 1972, obviously. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, if anyone's, you know, watched movies like Apollo 13 and things, right, it's, it actually boggles my mind that, you know, we were able to do it in the 60s and 70s, uh, given the technology that they have, you know, the first computers and things. And so, yeah, this is, is night and day, uh, even compared to what's upon the International Space Station, because that's been up there so long, it's actually quite dated in terms of its computer hardware. And, you know, I'm speaking to you on an iPhone right now that has, you know, definitely more processing power than most of the most of the things on the space station. And, yeah, so it'll be a really exciting time. Lots of new technologies that will be testing in the Hawaiian spacecraft and uh, will help us go further um, for cheaper and uh, hopefully in a sustainable way. And uh, with this new technology, would you say that it makes the mission much safer we certainly, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, there's a lot of fail-safes and backups built into this um, all the way from the launch, right? You know, we know for, for any mission, the launch is actually one of the most uh, dangerous parts of the mission. And so there's a lot of new technologies that have come into, you know, should anything happen, they'll be able to uh, have the astronauts escape during launch. And then all of what we call the life support systems, you know, the systems on board the Orion spacecraft to keep the uh, humans alive, our astronauts alive, have come a huge way in the last 50 years. Yeah, and I, I guess that's something uh, you don't like to talk about too much, but there are always dangers when you're up there. Yep. Yeah. I mean, yeah, space flight is, uh, is dangerous for sure. The, there are certain risks that all of the astronauts, uh, you know, take knowingly and willingly. Um, and, uh, you know, Artemis too, for sure, because it is the first ever human mission of the Artemis program is, uh, is definitely going to carry some of those risks. So when's, when's the, uh, the flight going to happen for Artemis too? So we're hoping uh, November 2024. So it's only, you know, a year and a half, just over a year and a half away. Um, you know, they just announced the crew, so they'll be training like crazy between now and then uh, on the systems and making sure the vehicle is ready for that launch. 
Yeah, I, I want to ask you about uh, Jeremy Hansen and what, what it's like for someone to be chosen to be on the crew and what the next year and a half or so is going to be like. And I want to talk about Jeremy Hansen, but first we got a text from someone who said, please ask Gordon how they plan to deal with the inhospitable radiation after LEO. That means low Earth orbit. I know that because I just looked it up. Uh, that Dr. Van Allen made clear the uh, NASA scientist who the Van Allen belts are named after. So what about radiation uh, in space? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a great question. And it is, I would say, one of the biggest challenges um, with human spaceflight beyond low Earth orbit. Um, it, it gets worse the longer you go. And so, you know, the major way we get around it for short missions such as this is kind of probably three main things. Uh, first, there is some shielding in the Orion uh, capsule um, that will protect the astronauts to, you know, to a certain degree. Um, and then what they will be doing in kind of the days leading up to launch two is also monitoring solar activity uh, because it's those big, you may have heard of solar flares, it's big events like that that send out, you know, huge doses of radiation into space. And so, you know, they'll be monitoring to make sure that you know, there's not a lot of activity uh, going on. And then, you know, it, it is one of the risks that is just has to be accepted for this kind of mission is that, uh, you know, hopefully with the relatively short duration of, you know, 10 days to two weeks, uh, that they'll be, you know, not exposed to too much over time. As we look to Mars, um, that it is, I think, one of the major unresolved uh, engineering challenges to make sure that we can keep uh, the astronauts safe enough uh, on the six-month voyage to Mars and then on the surface too. Right. And you talk about those risks, and that's what makes it all so uh, special to to meet somebody like Jeremy Hansen, uh, the astronaut who is going to go up on this mission. And when you get to know him, when you, you see him on the news and you hear his story, he has been uh, gearing for this his entire life. And uh, I mean, tell us a little bit about Jeremy Hansen. Yeah, so I've actually had the pleasure of meeting, uh, I've met, I met Jeremy for the first time about a decade ago and I've been providing geology training, uh, for him, um, a few times up in the Canadian Arctic and then so I've got to know him pretty well. Um, if you've seen any of the interviews, uh, and as, as the, you know, the commander of the mission said, I think all of these astronauts and in particular Jeremy are incredibly humble. You know, he comes across as a very humble guy. Um, you know, he's, he's, he just is that kind of person. But his background, uh, you know, he grew up um, here in London, Ontario. He uh, was raised on a farm close by. Uh, he soon kind of then took the military path, uh, was in air cadets, and then in the Royal Canadian Air Force. And so, you know, certainly in terms of, you know, the background uh, for human space flight, you know, been taking calculated risks. He was flying CF-18 uh, jets uh, for the Royal Canadian Air Force, and you know, just part of his training for that definitely has prepared him well for this kind of mission. Right. And tell me what his next year and a half is going to be like as they get ready for the mission. Well, I mean, I think, you know, obviously lots of training. Um, they, you know, until they were selected for this mission, you know, some of the astronauts are getting some uh, training on the various different types of spacecraft out there. But, you know, now these, these four astronauts need to know the Orion 
spacecraft inside and out, you know, and as we talked about earlier, technology has come a long way. That also means it's going to be a lot more complicated too. And so, you know, a lot of their time spent will absolutely be on, uh, you know, making sure um, they can deal with uh, any situation. You know, they'll be getting uh, thrown into situations where, you know, they have mock-ups um, essentially and, you know, just, emergencies will come up and they'll have to figure out how to deal with them, you know, in, in a training regime. And so I think, you know, that'll be the big thing that they're doing for the next uh, year and a half. They also actually really neatly, Jeremy said this in one of their interviews, you know, the crew will be working with the, the engineers who are finalizing the spacecraft too, you know, so really getting to know things down to the nuts and bolts level. Right. Because I guess when you're in space, the phrase you do not want to hear is, what does this button do? That that just wouldn't <laughs> yeah, fly. Sure. So nope. let, let's talk about the uh, Orion spacecraft. This is the first launch of the Orion. Tell us why is this special? Uh, so it actually, the, the spacecraft itself did go up on uh, Artemis 1. And so if you saw uh, pictures of that mission, the spacecraft that was uh, went around the moon, just with no people on board. So, you know, they did have it up there. Um, there was It was obviously instrumented, you know, lots of sensors to make sure, okay, you know, is there oxygen flowing? Would our astronauts be alive on the spacecraft? What are the temperatures and things doing? Um, but, you know, having said that, it, it looks, if you've seen pictures, it's not too different from, you know, the Apollo capsules that took astronauts to the moon the first time around. Uh, it is bigger, um, so um, the big difference here, of course, is that there will be four astronauts on Artemis, whereas there was only three on uh, Apollo. But, you know, the shape, the design, the, there is a lot of heritage from Apollo because it worked. Yeah, and I the thing I'm most excited about is when you do finally land on the moon, the technology involved with the videotape is or I, I see how I, I still call it videotape. That's uh, and probably we all do, but just the the images, the video images that we're going to see are going to be so much different than those old images. It, it's probably going to be quite mind blowing, isn't it? I, yeah, I think so. And again, even from the Artemis One mission, if you just kind of Google that mission and uh, search for images, they're so crisp and high definition in color that they almost don't look real. And so, you know, we have images that were kind of selfies of the spacecraft because they had cameras on the edge of the solar panels. And just those images of the Orion spacecraft, of the moon, the Earth in the distance of, you know, the heavily cratered lunar terrain were impressive. And, you know, I can't imagine the, the type of, you know, high-definition color video that we'll get when they land on the moon. Like you say, it will be not those grainy black-and-white uh, uh, TVs that, uh, you know, um, uh, fathers and, you know, uh, grandparents' age and uh, parents' age we're looking at. This will be super high-definition. Yeah. Are we going to see astronauts on Instagram up there? I would, I would think so. You know, the, uh, the astronauts on the International Space Station, um, are, you know, a lot of them are on social media posting things on, uh, I forget if less Instagram, but definitely Twitter. And so, um, you know, be, I don't know if they'll be able to do it live during the Artemis mission. That's a good question, but uh, I certainly hope we'll be getting a lot of uh, pretty amazing imagery down from that mission as soon as it lands. If you want to hear more, Subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green.
Have a great weekend.